Hello and welcome to this episode of the Minnesota Left-Handers Podcast. I've got a lot to discuss today in this episode. Um, I just returned from my winter golf getaway to Phoenix and I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, John Rahm had quite the quite the audio clip this weekend, at the, this past weekend I guess, at the stadium course um, at the American Express Championship. Then a couple other things. I've got a USGA article that I came across titled The Anatomy of a Four-Hour Round, which I thought was really interesting. And then um, I believe it was Dylan DeChair. He had an article, too, from 1973, Lee Trevino, talking about how to make golf faster. So kind of both of those talking about pace of play. And my question uh, for you at the end will be one that I, I'll hope that you'll respond to in the comments. Uh, Greg Norman's new golf league, the, the what is it, the SGL, um, He's he's got the producer, I believe, from Fox Sports back when Fox had the the u.s open and kind of the the difference the different things that he did to that producer um the different things that he did to revolutionize how we view the game you know how the 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 viewing experience of the game and i think that uh you know there's some interesting insights there some interesting ideas for this new sgl uh the farmer's insurance open at tory pines is this week and then lastly just a a quick reminder of the state lefty open So my Phoenix Golf Getaway started on a Friday. Um, Saturday, we didn't actually play much golf, any golf at all. We we kind of did some hiking. Um, but the first hike we did was Mormon Mormon Trail up the Fat Man's Pass. Um, so we did some hiking there. Got some really cool pictures. And, and I, I love that aspect of, of Phoenix as well. But then Saturday, we were able to make the 20-minute drive south to Auction Southern Dunes. Um, they had a Doomsday double play that uh, we took advantage of, and we played 36 out there, had lunch. What a great experience. What a cool course. It plays extremely long. Um, we played two tees up, and I think it was 60, 6,400 yards the first round, and then we played one tee up the second time. It was 6,700 yards. No, I'm sorry. I think we played three tees up the first time and, and two tees up. No, sorry, four tees up the first time and three tees up the second time. That's what it was because from the tips, uh, this course tips out at like 7,500 yards. It's one of the longest courses that I've ever seen um, that I've ever played. Obviously, I didn't play that length, but um, just to be on that course was really something to stand back on some of those tee boxes and just kind of marvel at what it takes to hit a driver, you know, to carry a driver, whatever length you need to to, to hit those carries. Uh, things of note about this course, 105 bunkers. Um, big high facing bunkers that, uh, you know, unavoidable for the most part, especially not having played in a couple of months. It was just one of those things that I was going to have to deal with. I hit a lot of fairway bunker shots, my fair share of greenside bunker shots. I mean, the course was in great shape and even, even though there are 105 bunkers, there was definitely, 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 you know, enough fairway as well. It's one of those courses where there's just a ton of space i don't i don't know i mean it was it was immaculate uh the fairways were perfect the greens were really really they rolled really well they were fast probably because of the tournament that was there the previous weekend um but also you know they they take you can tell that it matters to them they take good care of it and um you know the hospitality around the starter the the people in the in the restaurant the the two 
uh, people behind the counter in the in the pro shop, the Rangers. I mean, everyone was everyone was great. We got paired with two guys who were who were members. Um, one guy told us that he was like one of the first members. He'd been there since the year two thousand, and you know, gave us a lot of really cool, really good insight um, into how to you know approach each hole and then where things were and what to avoid and where to hit it and how to play it and it was it was a ton of fun um the second time around we played with some other tourists um they had actually they were staying for a while and they had they had sorry they had stayed for a while and they'd played once before so i mean that they were that was fun too um to kind of have you know four fresh perspectives of the course as well while there was perfect i mean you're you're in phoenix in late january there's nothing better i mean it was probably 70 degrees and the wind picked up in the afternoon but it was awesome uh it, it's not your desert style course it's wow the 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 one guy who was the member uh since since it opened he referred to it as Lynx style which i <clears throat> don't know that i entirely agree with but i'm not well versed in desert golf versus Lynx golf um just because i don't have a lot of that here in minnesota but it was interesting to see the difference between that and, say, like Verado, which I've played before as well. Verado is clearly your desert-style course, and there were some distinct differences. And, and, you know, auction was was great. I mean, I had an absolute blast. I played really well on the front side, um, you know, my first round in a long, long time. And then I just kind of lost it on the back nine on the, of the first 18 and then the second 18, I don't know if I had gotten tired or exactly what, but I, I didn't play quite as well. But, you know, still nice to be out. I'm currently staring at five degrees back home here, so I don't I don't mind it at all. The third day of the trip meant we were going to Papa Go Golf Club, which is one that I'd heard of. It came recommended. It shows up on Golf Now. Um, come to find out, it is Arizona State's home course. So you dig into YouTube a little bit, you can find some really pretty cool stuff. One, about the course. Two, about the history of ASU and, and their facility there, their complex. I mean, it's it's unreal. It's such a cool place. Uh, and then before we teed off, we did a little bit more hiking in Papago Park, um, kind of a, a city recreation a city-owned recreation area um, and they have these these buttes is what they call them and they overlook the whole course um, and so going up there checking that out getting a, a pretty cool aerial view of the course was was kind of neat um, you can see the whole driving range you can see the the Thunderbird golf complex is what they call ASU's um, building that they have for their athletes and then you can see the the clubhouse the pro shop and and most of the course and so it's kind of cool to look at that and in anticipation of of playing the course later that afternoon. Then we get out there and honestly it was like I said I loved auction southern dunes but I think I liked Papago more. Um fantastic fairways, really really good shape. You could miss a little bit the grass the grass was short, kind of yellowing, um definitely playable though and then but you could also get lost in the desert too. The fair uh not the fairways, but the the bunkering around the greens was great. It was high face bunkers. You know, you couldn't just bounce one up, but yet the greens were accessible and, and, and not too punishing. And I think we played 6,700 yards or so. So definitely a tough test, uh, but the pace was great. We went out as a twosome, actually, which surprised me. I thought definitely we'd get paired up with 
with two others, but they snuck us on. And everyone out there knew what it meant to play through. We ended up playing through two groups. They did it well. We did it right. The course was full, but it took us four hours on the nose. I mean, it, what a, what a just a fantastic experience. Let me go in after for a, a little bit of food and a beer, and it was, I mean, just such a cool atmosphere as the, as the sun was going down and everyone was out there. Even though it was Monday, you can just tell it's a happy place. I mean, it's, it's a golf course in in January, so it's it's you know people I think are just we're just happy to be there. The bar was full. Definitely a good time. One of the best things about it, nine minutes from the airport for us. When I went down last year, um, I tried, I made an attempt to sort of save some money, which meant that we were driving a lot more to, you know, go to these courses. And I did find a little bit, you know, better deals, but we were we were really stretched for time. And uh, the last round, the getaway round, was an hour south of the airport and I thought that we had enough time you know we could play around four hours four and a half even and still get up to the airport well the front nine took three hours down down at the course we played at down southeast and it was like we had to leave we didn't even get to finish and I you know I'd saved a few dollars there but it just wasn't I didn't want to do that again I did not want knowing we had a flight to catch I did not want to not be able to play the whole course um, and so I chose Papago because it is nine minutes from the airport. And it was definitely um, the right choice. And honestly, the price wasn't too bad. I want to say it was about $85 to play 18 with a cart. You know, and, and given that time and the, and the money that you can spend down there you know, this time of year, it's 85 bucks was not bad. Not bad at all. And so um, definitely I would recommend Papago for, for the whole experience. I mean, the, the range, the practice area, the bar, the, the pro shop, the course itself, the people. I mean, what a what a great experience. So walking out of there this year, I, I miss it because it's it's cold and we got about two more months of winter here. But looking back, definitely more fondly on this trip. Not that, again, the previous trip wasn't great and all because it really was. There was some really cool courses i loved verado um pueblo el mirage was i mean that's if if you know what that is it's uh it was it was i think it was 27 dollars um but kind of a unique experience all in itself um out in uh must have been a retirement community with you know hundred and hundred thousand dollar hundred and fifty thousand dollar mobile homes just lining the thing but it was it was a really cool experience uh so this trip though like i said um, ended up being the right, uh, a good trip because I, I made the right choices as far as trying to play which courses and, and making sure that we had um, good experiences and, and weren't you know strapped for time. So very cool. I would I would recommend both courses, but if you're looking for a an 18 hole getaway round, definitely consider Papago. What a cool what a cool place. While I was there, uh, a couple videos came across my social media that I think are worth discussing. The the week the the that the PJ Tour had last weekend was at the stadium course at PJ West for the American Express Championship. John Rahm had a few strong words caught on video as he was as he was leaving a green and um yeah I I think maybe we just let the the clip speak for itself. Not safe for work, so definitely before I play this 
make sure that you you don't have kids in earshot or or that you're not going to get in trouble playing this well at the workplace. Piece of shit fucking set up putting contest week. So if you didn't catch catch that, that was a couple of swear words and uh, a claim that it's just a putting contest week. But uh, that's what you're going to get. We saw it in Hawaii, and that's what you get at these tournaments. The the scores are going to be low. They're meant to be low. They're, when you don't have long, hard courses, they're going to tear up these courses. They're that good. It's just another reminder, again, of what happened, what would happen if these guys played, you know, your home course. You could think your home course is tough, it's long, whatever. These guys are going to tear it up. They just are. I mean, this is a PGA Tour setup, and it's a, it's a putting contest, you know, because guys are sticking the green for birdie every time. Who can make the most long putts? And that's who's going to win the tournament. He didn't back off his comments in a press conference later. Uh, later, soon after that, he said, I mean, the video is pr- pretty self-explanatory. We're on the PGA Tour. We're the best golfers on the planet. And we're playing a golf course where missing the fairway means absolutely nothing. There were times when missing the fairway by an inch was worse than the missing by 20 yards. That, to me, is a mistake. I don't know what else to say. I also understand we're in the desert. You can't overseed the entire course, and things like that can't can happen. But, yeah, we play a lot of golf with zero rough. He went on to say, I like, gol- I like fairways to be narrow. I like the rough to be up so you can't just miss the fairway and go for the green with whatever you want. I would like the greens to be firm. They don't need to be ridiculously firm, but firm. And the, gr- and the greens at the right speed. That's tough to say because you have greens here, for example. If you have them rolling at 13, it would be unplayable because of how sloped they are. But I think a golf course that would challenge us in every aspect of the game. Uh, and that's where I believe you'd find the best player. Somebody whose whole game completely is playing good throughout. And if something is missing, you have to make up with really good stuff on the other parts of your game. So, he didn't back off it. I don't think he's wrong. Um, But at the same time, you just kind of know that that's what you're going to get early in the year when they play the West Coast. He's been kind of known to be outbursty, but... I don't know. I, I, I can't really blame him. It's just it kinda is what it is. We'll we'll have to see um you know how he feels later in the year, see if he can if, if he sticks to his guns on this, if if it's not just some hypocritical thing that he says. Um but what is gonna be interesting, I hope, is that we get more of this kind of stuff because I like the honesty in the Netflix series that's coming out, uh the one that's being filmed this year. And probably will be released in or in early 2023. Um, I hope that we do get a lot more of these sort of hot mic situations because they make for for fun conversation and and some pretty entertaining social media banter. So um, that's what you got out west, and it sort of sort of just is what it is. Next up. We have an article that's actually not terribly new, but it's one that came across again, and I, I definitely think it's worth worth discussing out of USGA.org. It's the anatomy of a four-hour round. They, they talked to the superintendent, Aaron Hills, and you know he, the importance of uh, the wow factor. It's a, it's a seven-mile walk, and there's no carts, and the average round is four hours and 50 minutes. Yeah, that's long, but... As long as the flow is good, it it doesn't have the same effect that it does 
if you play a four and a half hour round, but you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So he said they focus on the wow factor, um, which I guess makes sense. I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of big on the four hour round. Uh, you know, we have these stereotypes of of what causes us causes a long round. Choosing the right teases is, is the right is is an important piece to keeping up, and I think that that's important too. Um, so kind of looking at all of these different factors. Here's an example that came up. Uh, Pinehurst's course uh, number four, a highly rated 2018 Gilhans redesign of a Donald Ross original experience backups on its second hole, a short par five. We simply pushed back all the tees to make sure that the green was not reachable in two, said the resort's head pro, Matt Barksdale. Um, and he said that improved, that improved the flow because you got guys waiting. You know, I think I can reach it in two. You know, and they got 240 yards, and they're like, well, geez, you know, I did hit my three iron there or my, my three wood there one time. Maybe I can do it again. Well, no. Um, you're probably going to duff it 80 yards. That's what happens. That's what makes us amateurs. And so kind of recognizing that, they backed it off so that you are forced to sort of lay up and go for the green with your third shot, kind of doing what you can to improve the flow. Um, if a, he's, he goes on to say, if a round of golf takes five hours and you never have to wait, that's fine. But if it's four hours and you're waiting on every shot, it's not good. Courses have more control over pace of play than they think, said Eric Bray, PhD and director of GGA Partners for a prof- and a professor at the University of Wisconsin Stout. Um, they just have to change their mindset. To that end, he debunks certain stereotypes. And like I said, this this idea that um, women are slower players when really men who play from the tips are a bigger problem. Um, you know, the importance of a ranger, especially as courses get slower when rangers aren't exactly trained. They're just out there, you know, kind of keeping tabs on things, but they're not exactly maybe the most assertive people, um, you know, and, and holding people accountable. So Matt Pringle is cited in the article. He's the managing director at the at the USGA. Um, he brings up this important point related to the the fact that courses can can do more about controlling pace than maybe they they feel like they do. He says it's really the responsibility of the course to make sure they're not putting golfers onto the course faster than the flow will allow. Otherwise, you're setting the whole day up for disaster. What is the capacity of the of the course, he says. What is a reasonable gap time between groups? In some cases, 8 minutes is fine, but in some cases, 10 minutes is fine. It depends on the layout and where your place is where you where you're placing tee time versus hole location. So a lot of this a lot of this article actually falls back on the course itself. Um, you know, and the people in charge, there's obvious things that players can do uh, as far as you know, where do you leave your cart? Um, letting people play through on par threes, you know, those, those sorts of things. But um, this kind of looks, looks, puts, puts the spotlight on the course and it, it kind of says, look, the courses need to do their part to help this out as well. Um, last thing he says that I think is, is pretty important. It says, if the character of your course is challenge and difficulty, that's absolutely your prerogative. But if, if you have a photo op signature hole, that's also your prerogative. You just need to balance your tee time intervals so they're consistent with how quickly golfers can flow. There's the word again. We're talking about flow. If you have a smooth flow of play, a four and a half hour round doesn't feel like that long. Uh, said Hunky Yoon, uh, director of business development at, for the USGA Green Section. 
but if you play in four hours and 15 minutes and you've had to wait one or two significant time, like significant periods of time, you remember that as a negative experience. And so it's, it's all about creating sort of the experience as well. What, what are, what can courses do? What are they doing to make this go smoother? So I realize that much of what is said here is, is sort of out of our hands as the player, but it's just interesting to look at, you know, and kind of see the world through that perspective, see see that experience that we've all had um, through this perspective and kind of look at the courses we play and go, okay, what are they actually? What are their tee time differences? Well, how is the flow of the course? What kinds of things happen at the turn? You know, I, I mean, it's just it's just an interesting way to go about it. We all know uh, certain ways that, that we can kind of speed up the round, but just kind of understanding that and, and knowing what you're getting into is when you go to play around a golf is is important because you might be out there for five hours and it might just be what it is um that course has to decide what's what's going to be best for them i wanted to talk about too um greg norman's sgl league um saudi the the saudi golf league and how he pulled in uh, the producer of Fox Sports Golf back when they had the the U.S. Open, which changed hands a couple of years ago. Um, but he's working with him. His name is Dave Hill, and they are looking at how to he and he and Greg Norman at least are, are looking at how to reimagine uh, what golf looks like on TV and and how it can be different than the PGA Tour. And they talk about a couple of things in particular that are, uh, if nothing else, intriguing. Um, one fifty-four hole rounds, or fifty-four hole tournaments, and uh, shotgun starts, so it doesn't drag out all day. All the action is happening at once. It's four hours, and that's it. And it can all sort of happen at one time. With regard to, with regard to Greg Norman and and his um, not so quietly creating of another golf league a rival golf league to the pga tour he says the reason he's so adamant he being greg norman is so adamant about this is because the average age of people who watch a golf telecast is 65 that's the average age and that's what tells you that the golf audience is on a downward ski slope what greg wants to do because he's so passionate about the sport he wants to reverse that trend and hopefully produce golf that appeals for the first time many decades for the first time many decades to a much younger demographic than watches now. Assuming that the league does recruit enough talent, one of the final pieces to the puzzle will be a television deal. Um, Hill has some experience in this end, but finding a broadcast partner might prove prickly. Fox, where both Norman and Hill have close relationships with with Murdoch, who who owns Fox, uh, would seem to be a clear favorite. Then again, the network's appetite for golf is unclear after it dumped the TV deal with the USGA um, in the middle of a 12-year contract just a year ago. Because remember, like I said, they had the, the US Open. So um, that sort of went away. So it'll be interesting to see how they can get that 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 TV aspect off the ground for this SGL, but I don't know three day events, 54 holes, um, you know, shotgun rounds might be interesting. I mean, it's tough. One of the things that I, I think would be kind of a roadblock or at least a barrier there is watching a group go through on 17, you know, exactly what 17 looks like. You know, that the guys in the group behind are in first place and they're going to play 17 now. Well, they're being on different parts of the course is kind of creates a whole other, hard thing to wrap your head around especially if you're not uh familiar with like the shotgun start or the shotgun round of golf i don't know that 
you know, that's going to necessarily bring in a wider audience. We'll, we'll have to see what that looks like and what they decide. Um, but it's intriguing and it's different. So that might be a good thing. And lastly, um, again, first and foremost and always, this is a podcast that seeks to grow the Minnesota State Lefty Open. This year, this upcoming summer in 2022, it takes place at Riverwood National Golf Course in Otsego, Minnesota um, on July 16th and 17th. Cost is $115. Um, and they're... If it's somewhere, if it's something you want to come stay at, if you're driving from a long way, that's great. Um, there's hotels five miles, both east and west of Riverwood. Um, so that'll all be laid out in the flyer as well. If you'd like to get on the email list, you can email me at mnlefthanders at gmail dot com. I'll get the flyer out to you. I'll get you sent up with updates. In fact, I just sent one out this morning. Um, to those who are already on the email list. What I'm excited about uh, this year is a couple of things. Um, The first is that on Saturday evening, they've got the vintage across the streets owned by the same... same person and it's a it's an executive course it's got two par fours per side and the rest are par threes what i want to do they've also got the big cups over there you know like for for juniors for uh you know to just kind of get get kids in the game and they are great about trying to get 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 kids into the game over at vintage i mean it's such a cool thing i bring my four-year-old over there all the time um but i'm wondering if we don't have a big cup skins tournament you know just a, a nine hole skins game over there in the evening um opens the door to you know hold ones chip ins that sort of thing could be a ton of fun i'm gonna try to get uh a group of guys over to play in that and maybe that's what you play and maybe you can't commit to a two-day 18 hole a day 36 hole total tournament um but you want to come out you want to play skins one evening on a saturday night great come on out let's let's get all the lefties in the state in this thing i'm i would be i would just that would be awesome if we could pull that off um also if i'm thinking that saturday morning i'll have a little putting contest as well but i'm I'm looking forward to it um the calendar's turned we're nearing the end of january you know what is it two months left till we can start swinging the clubs in minnesota again so anyway if you'd like to get on an email list email me at mnlefthanders at gmail.com. You can also follow me on most of your social channels at mnlefthanders. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, And so I hope that you will consider it, or at least if you know a lefty, share this news with them. And so with that, that's all I have for you with this episode. Thanks and talk again soon.